When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Personally think that Josh Sargent should be the number nine. My biggest concern is that Mexico does tend to make those little mistakes defensively. But it's the inconsistencies. With the what is it this inconsistent though? He's going to well, be on the ground for the majority the, of the No, look back at highlights. That's, no, that's, if you that's have... the Christian Pulisic treatment, though. Same. We're going to have to stop this. We're going to start arguing on this podcast, aren't we? Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Real Football Show. I'm Lizzie, U.S. editor um, at over at 90 Min, covering North American football. Over with my co-host, Gino Ganello. How are you doing? Doing well, uh, Christian Pulisic just uh, obviously again proved that he's the pinata of CONCACAF after scoring his goal for the United States of America. I have all the U.S. gear on today. It's all here so except my jersey, which is in the wash because I get to wear it again, which is pretty cool. But we'll get into that. I'm so happy for you. <laughs> okay. So we're we going to be covering... We have to talk about your side first because obviously, and listen, and it's, we'll get into it, but... Crazy stuff happening in this World Cup. Crazy. So we're going to be doing a group stage post-mortem for CONCACAF teams. So that would be Canada, U.S., Mexico, and Costa Rica, which all had pretty much dramatic endings to their group stage phase over at the 2022 World Cup. Um, But we're going to start with Canada, since that was, I guess, the most Mm anticlimactic ending. They were eliminated prior to end entering that third match against Morocco. So any result there really made absolutely no difference to their group stage standings, but we know Morocco won two one. So now John Herdman's side officially eliminated from the world cup without a single victory, zero points in three games and just one goal. Their second against Morocco was technically an own goal. So that was not awarded to Canada. One goal, zero victories. Now, John Herdman has since spoken on his performance and his team side performance at the World Cup and said he's extremely proud and they are changing the narrative and perspective of Canada at the world stage. 
He's I, a confident fella, that John Herdman. He's out there yeah. saying that he's going to be the coach and there's no reason he shouldn't be the coach anymore because he led them to the greatest achievement in Canadian soccer history, basically. He's very confident. I, I mean, I guess that's a good thing, right? I, I don't I don't really know. Um, um, but I don't you know. have to I back think up that confidence. So yeah. that Listen, I think it was... I think you have a lot to be proud of as a Canadian men's national team, but stating that you're changing the perspective of international teams just because you made it to the World Cup is a little concerning, especially because you walk out with zero victories. Yeah. Now, just to cut you real quick to cut you off there, I mean, let's just talk about how the fact that they finished first in CONCACAF and they were the first CONCACAF team eliminated from the group stages. So... Yes, and I do want to point out that it's their best. It was their best CONCACAF cycle in a long time, and they still end up tied with points with Mexico. Mm -hmm. So they did end up first with goal difference. I'm not underappreciating their performance throughout the cycle. They did a good job. I just don't know if they're up to the pressure for a World Cup. Their performance against Belgium kicked off strong. I think it was a good 45 minutes. But then they kind fell. Nothing. Nothing from nothing. there. 1-0 Belgium. Then they also fell against Croatia. We know they went into it very confident. And it was 4-1. They started off strong to, I think it was the second-minute goal by Alfonso Davis. Yep. And then four goals against. And, yeah, the 2-1 against Morocco. So Where they didn't actually put the ball in the net. And really quite, I mean, not. they pushed for a goal in the second half, but didn't really have many phenomenal chances um they did not i think there was one if i'm i mean i've watched so much soccer this weekend or this week that <laughs> I, the games are just blending together at this point they are, i think yes. there was one that hit the crossbar and came down didn't go in the net that might have been their best opportunity if i'm thinking of the correct game but other than that they didn't really apply any pressure and really you know morocco i mean come on man why'd you have to give up the own goal i had predicted a shutout <laughs> and you give up the own goal, and now my predictions goes to waste. But no, in all reality, Morocco was the better team. Canada didn't really have anything against them, I think. And I'd actually, you know, I want to ask you a question, actually, because I was thinking this the other day. If Canada and Morocco were the, the Canada-Morocco game and the Canada-Belgian game were switched, right? Mm-hmm how they played, they played out exactly the same way, but they were switched. Would you feel better without, and obviously without the comments from Herman, but would you feel better about the Canadians performance overall or worse about the Canadians performance overall? I think the same. Okay. Now I think it was disappointing for Canada to go in and perform the way they did. It was a lack of power and you saw Certain moments, especially with Alfonso Davis, who we'll talk about as, I think, their only breakout star of the tournament, um, or the only standout <laughs> figure in my book. Um, I did expect more from him, and I expected more from several other figures, especially how they um, acted in the CONCACAF qualifiers to head into the tournament and be at their best game. But they weren't. Um, Canada stayed back a lot. They made a lot of defensive errors. I know their goalkeeping situation was a little bit of a mess, especially with injuries heading into the tournament, but mm -hmm. I expected one victory, at least one. 
And I'm not saying that Belgium, Croatia, and Morocco are not good teams. They are. But Canada had the potential to be a good team. Mm -hmm. They weren't going to make it out of the group stage, and that was something I spoke about way beyond, um, I mean, way before the tournament even started. But they had the potential to perform better than they did. And that's why it's funny for me to hear John Herdman speak about how Canada is now being perceived when their perception did not change. You walk away with zero points. The perception for you is the same. Yeah, I mean. Canada is not up for a World Cup. Now they're qualified in 2026 because they're hosts. And that's a complete different situation. And we'll talk about the lead up to that edition of the tournament. But I don't think Canada's perception in the football world has changed. Yeah, I think just in the reasoning for the question for me was maybe that if they end on a much better game played, you're feeling a little bit better. But I agree that, I mean, if any, and again, I'm, we'll talk about this in a little bit, and I'm not really trying to interject this here. I'm just kind of using this as an example. If anybody's opinion about any team in CONCACAF it's changing, it's either the United States or maybe, I mean, you know, that's really the only one, maybe Costa Rica because of how they fought and really were yeah. not the quality of the level of everybody else in their group, but they fought and managed to make it very interesting. But Canada didn't do anything near either of those two countries where nope. maybe in the first game against Belgium, they like were, you know, oh man, we have a lot of shots and we put a lot of pressure on, but they didn't get the win. You know, Costa Rica was the only, every other CONCACAF team got a win. Every other CONCACAF team got a win. Costa Rica was yep. the only CONCACAF team to get a win before the third round of games. So, Yep. To say that the perception has changed, I don't know. I mean, you played a bad Confident. Belgium team very well. Um, you saw how you could have beaten Croatia because, I mean, Belgium had every opportunity known to man to beat Croatia. I mean, literally, I said to my sister, you could have played striker for Belgium today and scored <laughs> it and probably sent them through. And a Moroccan team who was very good and I think deservedly top of the group defensively. Yeah. They were very good. I think they are just structured very, very well. Um, but still, they were the 22nd best team in the world coming into this. It's not like they were up there in the top 10 with the other two. So arguably, you know, I, I again, I think they had the worst performance out of all the teams, at, teams, yes. teams at the World Cup. And I Costa agree. Rica lost 7 nothing in game one. So <laughs> that's embarrassing. What does that say about how Canada Wait, that's should so be true. perceived? So. That's very true. And yeah, you spoke on John Herdman's confidence. I don't know whether he'll remain the head coach of Canada soccer. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah. I don't think they're making any rash moves, um, but nor do they have to. They don't have a, a qualifying um, cycle coming up. I think yeah. the I, nearest- and that's I think that helps them. March. Yeah, I yeah, think that, that helps them because you can get rid of a John Herdman in a year and say, oh, this isn't working and it's not going to affect the World Cup cycle or in two years, it's not going to affect your, affect your qualifying cycle. That coach will still have two years to work with the team and put them together and there's not the pressure of having to qualify. So that obviously helps. So I don't think there's any pressure. And personally, I don't think that they're going to let go of him anytime soon. But if there is a string of bad results following this World Cup, I obviously would not be surprised because it was not a good World Cup. Heading into it, I did think John Herdman was the correct choice for the team. I think he managed the message and the narrative extremely well. It was this brotherhood, united dark horse energy, if you wanted to. Um, But that completely changed after the Belgian match. I think the first 45 minutes 
which is something incorrect to piggyback off of because again, you didn't win. But coming off of that, you switched the narrative and the PR stunt became, we can beat anyone in the world when that was never truly Canada's message ever. So that was handled poorly. And then especially it wasn't um, backed up by results. So Canada Mm -hmm. is officially eliminated and they can look forward to the 2026 tournament. Sorry, Canada. Sorry, Canada. Now, shall we head into Mexico? Um, We should head into Mexico. Um, I'm not sure how you feel about this whole um, situation Um, and this conundrum, but from a neutral perspective, (laughs) it was wildly entertaining. I'm so happy for you. It was, and you know what? It made it even better that the U.S. game was already over at that point. And whether they had win or lost, it would have been fine either way, the U.S., but just like not having to have down the road being like, oh my God, I can't imagine this scenario for the U.S. in three days or whatever it would have been was very pleasing. So from a neutral perspective, very nice. But I can imagine, why don't you take us through the feelings of the 90 <laughs> minutes as a Mexican fan? Because I can imagine it's much different. Um, It was a little crazy. <laughs> I, I don't know how to put this. I didn't have a lot of expectations coming into the game. Mm-hmm. I knew it would be difficult. Mexico needed a 3-0 victory to not depend on the Argentina-Poland match. And that was difficult knowing that the team previously not scored Mm -hmm. um, and had a difficult path to scoring, of course. They had opportunities. They just couldn't find the back of the net. And Argentina and Poland were toss-ups. I think you could see Argentina on their best day could score 5-0, but then obviously had their twists and turns in this tournament. So... It was very difficult to predict what was going to happen, but I did not expect what actually happened. Um, Mexico kind of went all for it. And I think the most disappointing aspect, at least in my opinion, is the fact that after watching that game, you saw that Mexico had it in them all along and that it took a draw and a loss to get to the point that where we were. And it, it was a phenomenal game. I, I saw a great performance. I'm, I'm completely discounting Saudi Arabia's late goal just because yeah. at that point, Mexico had made so many offensive changes just trying to push up and get that last goal that was needed. So that is completely irrelevant to me. I think the first 60 minutes were phenomenal. Mexico was pushing forward. They had two goals. They had two disallowed goals. Um, Alexis Vega had that great chance within the first five minutes of the game, which I think would have changed the tra- changed the trajectory of it all. But it was phenomenal. But at the same time, it was disappointing. I think had we put up a more offensive side against Poland instead of respecting the hierarchy of Lewandowski, it, it would have been a different World Cup. Now you can't necessarily blame the players there. You blame Gerardo Martino for the lineup and the tactical aspect of it all and then against Argentina I don't want to tap too much into that game we discussed it before it was Mm -hmm. a good defensive performance until Mexico crumbled but offensively against Saudi Arabia it was phenomenal Henry Martin with his goal was great I was very happy to see him score Luis Chaz his free kick which I maintain should be a contender for goal of the tournament was phenomenal free kick I would Um, agree 
and we'll discuss his potential move to Europe a little bit later on because we mm -hmm. have some exclusive information there that's on our Twitter account, 90MinuteUS, and mine at Lizzie um, underscore Vetrano. So you can read over it there. <laughs> I don't really know how to do this, but they're on the screen somewhere. On the screen. Look, um, but we, yeah, it was, it was great. We do watch. have a comment. We do have a comment oh, from YouTube. It is from Toby Cudworth. He says, Mexico at World Cups. Who is to blame? That's his question right now. That's There's his comment. So <laughs> There's so many. And you can go back to um, the Mexican Football Federation's president, Yom de Luisa, and how he handles everything. But I personally think at this World Cup, Tata Martino. I think he underestimated the talent that he had. He went in way too defensively. Mm -hmm. And at the end, it, it just wasn't enough. Two goals wasn't enough. And it wasn't a lack of trying. I think the players gave it their all. I don't necessarily think it was individuals' performances, but I'd say that the Martino. And I know I'm not the only one. Um, <laughs> I mean, I would agree with you. I don't disagree yeah. with you. I think there's only one person to blame in this situation because, as you saw, I mean, Poland's not very like. What's going to happen against Poland against France? Like that game is should be a bloodbath. I hope bath. it's eleven zero. It should be a bloodbath. I mean, Poland did like for their win against Saudi Arabia. They looked awful in the other two games against Argentina yeah. and Mexico. And they, it was there for the taking, even with a defensive lineup, Tata Martino put out, that Tata Martino put out, they still produced multiple chances to find the back of the net. And it still ended up that a saved penalty was the only reason that they were even in a position. Like, yeah. Which I, you know, if you look back at this whole group, two saved penalties determined this whole group. Because and if, it's crazy. If Memo doesn't save the the penalty in the first game, then the whole trajectory of these two games in the final game in the different. final are completely different. And if Messi makes his penalty, then Mexico are through. So yeah. wildly enough, two penalties have changed the trajectory of the entire tournament. And I think did Chesney save a penalty in the Saudi Arabia game too? He I think did, he I did. So, yeah. wildly enough, penalties, a major, major talking point at the World Cup in general with how many of there have been, but specifically in this group with three missed penalties that changed everything throughout this, this group. Yeah, and it was unfortunate. I was very excited by this generation of players. I do think we had a few too many veterans um, making the cut, but I was excited. I think we unfortunately were a little too timid when going mm -hmm. out and maybe the order of the games affected that had we started against Saudi Arabia, maybe we would have pushed on the front yeah. foot and ended with Poland. And at, at that point, just go all chaotic and cathartic the way we did in that last game. But it is what it is at this point. It's unfortunate to see Mexico eliminated in the group stage for the first time since 1978. Um, Mexico, yeah. in the past seven world cup appearances, Mexico has made it to the knockout round. So it's disappointing. Now the consequences we know Gerardo Martino has been not fired necessarily, but um, he has since departed from the Mexican Federation. His contract ended the second the game against Saudi Arabia ended. And it's no surprise there. We said it prior to the World Cup that he was going to leave after this cycle. I think had Mexico qualified, his contract would have ended the second Mexico was eliminated from that World Cup. So no surprise there. 
Yeah. Everyone pretty much saw it coming. No Mexican national team head coach really makes it out of a World Cup and then following into another cycle. I think it's just a fresh start, and that's how we take it. Now, and it sounds director, like it's possible. Yeah, I'm about to say it sounds like it's possible that though they are both on their way out as well. But you please explain a little bit more because you know more. So, Mexican um, Federation President Yon de Luisa had said he will not resign that his position is going to be put up into a vote. Now, I personally don't think he'll be voted out. I think his connections are strong enough to earn him another cycle. Whether that's the right choice or not, I'll leave that up for debate. I have my own opinions, but it is what it is. And sporting director Jaime Ordiales will not exit as well, but he did admit that the results of this year were a professional embarrassment, which they are. Um, however, will it be enough to change things? I don't necessarily know. Um, players, we know Guillermo Choa, who's a very much standout leader within the locker room, has spoken out against some of the things the Mexican national team has done and will continue to do. For example, several friendlies in the United States. Memo has now pushed and asked for the Mexican national team to be included in Copa America, in Asian tournaments, just to push that competitive aspect instead of just continuing to go on with friendlies in the United States because um, he mentioned that won't push their level and won't raise anything. Now, again, whether that will happen or not will be interesting. There were um, rumors speaking out on Canada negotiating with Conmebol to be part of Copa America. We don't know what's going on there and whether Mexico will be a part of it at all, but I'm sure one of those three teams will be a part of, of Copa America at some point, because with the lack of actual competitive qualifying, that's like, they don't need to qualify. They, they need a competitive tournament aside from the gold cup to get, yeah, you know, and they need to play outside the, the CONCACAF. They need to play teams competitively outside the CONCACAF. So I think I always, liked when the they we were invited the US Mexico whoever it was was invited to Copa America because I think it just gives a different perspective and a different style of play and it prepares you for this World Cup in terms of getting experience against these types of teams so um yeah. you know I I wouldn't be surprised to see any of the three currently already qualified host nations be Making part of Copa America yeah yeah but Before we close out on the chaos that was Mexico this year, I do think there is several positive points to their performances. Um, I have my own opinion on standout (laughs) players, but I would love to hear yours first. Um, Trying to think. I mean, I think that Vega was very good going forward. We talk about, we talked about how he could be that, that breakout player. And I don't think he got quite there, but I think that, Vega at least showed his attacking prowess, his ability to push forward, put defenders in one-on-one spots that they did not want to be in. Um, He could get into some better spots and better areas offensively off the ball, probably, um, and get, you know, get himself into a spot where he can have a couple more shots at goal and give himself a chance at, 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 at goals a little more. But I think overall he had a decent tournament. I think the center back pairings, uh, had a good tournament as well because yeah. 
defensively, I think Mexico did a great job. I mean, what, what more could you ask for defensively? Again, as we mentioned with the Argentina game, it was two great goals that were the reason that Argentina won 2 nothing. It was no defensive breakdown. It was Messi being Messi, and it was Enzo Fernandez with a great goal. So yeah. you can't really blame them there. So those would be my players, personally, that I think had, had great tournaments. Yeah, and I, I want to point out um, the center-back pairings were Cesar Montes and Héctor Moreno. Yeah. Now, we know Héctor Moreno is considered a veteran. Um, I He exceeded my expectations entirely. I think he was a phenomenal leader at the back. And I said before, I love when you translate club to country. Héctor Moreno and Cesar Montes play day in and day out together mm -hmm. for Rayados de Monterrey. So it was no surprise that they had chemistry at the back. Yeah, but, especially at that position, as we've mentioned yeah. multiple times before, that center back position is is very important for that chemistry. So yeah. good to, so good to have that. And we got to throw in who was the third center back in the Argentina game. We'll give him a shout out as well. <laughs> yes. Well, I also think we need to point out Luis Chavez. Um, he didn't come in with a lot of World Cup experience at all, but he started three of well, he started all three group stage matches. He did well in the first two, but really um, proved to be quite vital in that third game. And when you say Alexis Vega, I was personally disappointed by him. Yeah. I think it was vital for him to step out of the game for Luis Chavez to even get a chance on those free kicks. So that was a little bit unfortunate to see that he had to leave for him to get a chance. Who knows what would have happened if he had more opportunities with those chances. But yeah. He was phenomenal on the ball. He was fast. Not quite um, a fresh face. He's 26 years old, but he is looking to make that move from Club Pachuca over to the Bundesliga. It's leading on his um, potential transfer. So we'll see there. A lot of positives, but at the end of the day, there's this wave of disappointment. Mm -hmm. Now, I do want to point out that in another occasion or in another group, four points would have been enough to mm -hmm. make it to that knockout round. And when we spoke about a World Cup and Mexico's performance going into it, we expected one victory, one draw, and one loss. And that's exactly what happened. So the results aren't necessarily like concerning in that sense. I think it's just about how everything went down. Now, if Argentina hadn't lost to Saudi Arabia, everything would have been different. Mm -hmm. So... Not necessarily widely concerning. I just think how things went down and the potential that Mexico had, a disappointing way of seeing the tournament end. I wonder how different they would be, though, if Argentina won, though, right? You know, we've seen a lot of these games over the past couple of days where these teams who are already through, or, well, at least today with Portugal and yesterday with... Um, with Spain. Spain. There's not really that much of a push to go out there and win. And in a situation where the group kind of shaped out how everybody expected it to, minus Saudi Arabia getting three points. Um, if Argentina is on nine points and Saudi Arabia is on zero points, like who knows how that game shapes out because you need Argentina to score goals still at that point. Um, yeah. So who knows? I mean, but like you said, I, the four points is all you could have asked for. That's what you expected. Again, hindsight's twenty twenty. You look at the Poland game, you look at it as a game that offensively you had the chances to win the game. Of course, Memo Cho saves the penalty, so it kind of evens out. But 
Um, I, I don't think it's surprising, the results. I think the results were probably on par with what was expected. And um, it's just not up to the caliber of Mexican national teams so. of the past. Yeah, but now I guess for 2026, what I would personally want to see is this forced generational change. Yeah, I mean it's gonna be it's gonna be very interesting to see what happens for Mexico now. Um, as a U.S. men's national team fan, obviously this is a very, very enjoyable moment for us. But I know as a Mexican national team man, and again we, as I say, as I say, you know, oh, we have breaking news. We have breaking news. Christian Pulisic has been cleared to play tomorrow versus Netherlands. That's, That's great huge news. That's massive news. Massive, massive news for the United States. And um, we'll, tap into we'll it. get into it in a little bit. So, uh, but yes, on the Mexican national team side, um, you know, they'll be back. I'm not worried. Yeah. I don't think so either. I, I know Mexico has the talent. I think it's just time we start relying on new figures and let the 2014-2018 golden generation head off into the football sunset. So we'll see. And oh, new question. Wow. First time caller, long time listener. And this is a question for you, Lizzie. Revisiting the question from the last episode. Now that we can look back at is the Saudi upset over Argentina still a bigger hurt to Mexico than the tie to Poland? I still think it shook things up. But I think given the Mexico that we saw against Saudi Arabia, that draw against Poland definitely could have been different. I think Mexico should not have been so timid on the attack. And instead of being wary of that loss, should have gone with confidence for Mm -hmm. the victory. But we know that's not how it happened. So Yes. And you guys can, you guys out there, if you have any questions and you're watching the show, please either comment on YouTube or comment on Twitter. We can't see the Twitter comments, but... We will have them posted in here through our account and we'll be able to share those comments as well. So if you have any comments, questions, anything, make sure to hit us up because we are more than welcome, more than willing to answer them. Uh, we love it. They are more answer. than welcome. Yes, you're more, they're more than welcome. Yes, exactly. So, yeah. So just to close out Mexico, it'll be definitely interesting to see who comes in to lead this generational change. I personally would love to have Jimmy Lozano come in. He led Mexico to bronze at the Olympics. He knows what to do with fresh young talent and he is beloved within the Mexican national team system. Yeah. So a great figure to have. Fingers crossed. I, I've heard some rumblings, but we hope they're true. We'll see. Um, we'll, see. we'll see. So now the only CONCACAF team in the knockout round. <laughs> the wait, wait, wait. We need to talk about Costa Rica. Well, we, we were going to finish get... with Costa Rica. Ah, we can't giving... finish. They're they're well, eliminated. Oh, I go. Okay, all right, right, fine. That's fine. It's fine. We'll go to the, we'll go to a U.S. men's national team. I mean, I, if you I don't want to talk about them, that's fine with me. Oh, could just, I could talk we'll about them for the next past. hour and a half with how happy oh, I am sure. and how happy things have gone. But I just figure we're going to Costa. But if we want to go, you're right with the with the Christian Pulisic news. I think we go. We jump right into it. We jump right in. So the only Concacaf nation to make it to the knockout round. The United States ended in second place of Group B behind England after two draws and one victory, 1-0. It was Christian Pulisic, 
who made that goal, Captain America, before he Ooh. went out injured. But he has since been confirmed that he's in. So it'll be very interesting now. Yes. And it sounded like he was going to be in. It, like from yeah, the way yeah, he yeah. was talking and obviously, again, we'll get into it a little more. It sounds like Josh Sargent's more of a doubt and Christian yeah. Pulisic was always going to be more of a, a probable as they use in yeah. some of these terms. So, yes. Now, I do want to congratulate you because um, beyond and despite very <laughs> questionable coaching on the U.S. Men's National Team Which we'll part, talk about in this one because yes. right through another one at us. I, I Listen, I credit 100% the players because it wasn't the coaching that got you through the, the next round. Um, I think they're widely underappreciated. I think the United States men's national team could have stunned at the World Cup. I think they're doing well, but I think they could have stunned in Group B. Could they have been better coached um, yeah, and dealt well. with properly? Because there's massive amounts of potential within the squad. You have Brendan Aronson, you have Je- mm-hmm. um, Gio Reyna, Tyler Adams, Josh Sargent, how do you write? But none of them, I feel, are being used properly or to their full potential. But yeah, we you made it out regardless. Know, again, this is the the dilemma, right? And it's the you know, it's not really a dilemma. You get out of the group stage. That's what most. That's the most important thing. But yeah, the success at the World Cup does that give Greg a little extra time? I would just drop him after the World. Like I understand, yeah. I understand he has done. Great things in getting us back here and getting us through the group stage. But again, as you mentioned, I'm not sure that's much of him. Now, I will say I did read an article the other day in terms of his system and what he was doing on the left side of the uh, attacking where he was shifting Weston McKinney to the left back position while Anthony Robinson got more forward and Christian Pulisic shifted more inside. And that allowed for confusion in the Iranian defense and allowed for a lot of that attack to come down that left side, which I think is great. And I think that's an awesome thing. And, you know, it was a very interesting read from my perspective. But at the same time, you're right. He's not handling these players well. He's not. I feel like there's so much more in this team. And you're right. You look at it and it's like you come out of the group. It was a little bit of a sweat to come out of the group, but to get you get the win that you needed to get. But at the same time, like the way we played in those games, you can't help but think there could have been, who knows, maybe a winning of the group um, with yeah. the way they played. And, so, And I want to emphasize the last 15 minutes yes. of the group stage. I would yes. love your take. I am going to say a nice thing about Walker Zimmerman for possibly the first time on the show. I think Walker Zimmerman played an unbelievably amazing role in the United States getting out of the group stage because he came on and I, you know, again, this is the other thing with Greg and the fact that he played more defensive and he was like, oh, we have the one goal we need. And we saw in the Uruguay game today, you know, obviously it wasn't a goal yeah. differential thing, but you just can't do that. You can't do yeah. that. And I think I was very, I was like, here we go. We're going to go to three center backs. We're just going to absorb pressure for 15 minutes. But Walker Zimmerman came up with massive, massive headers that were headed away and just kind of cleared the danger for a couple seconds to recollect. So I do have to give it to Walker Zimmerman. He was, I think, he had a major impact in those last 15 minutes. I didn't want to watch the last 15 minutes because I was like, this is miserable. Um, But, 
you know, as opposed to the Mexican side of things, the Mexican national team side of things where, you know, it's like you're on the front foot and you're looking for a goal. Like they, yeah. that's, I feel like that's a little bit easier in that sense, as opposed to defending waves and waves of pressure. And well, here's the thing. And this is, this is the last thing I'll say on Mexico, I think. And watching the Uruguay game today and the U S men's national team game as well. I think Mexican, the Mexican national team was the only ones who absolutely did not care for what was happening in, in that other game. Yeah. I think regardless of what was happening, Mexico was caring about the situation and pushing forward. Yeah. Um, had they relied on something else and just been defensive and hoped and wished that Argentina made that third goal, then things would have gone very differently, but yeah. they didn't really care at that point. It was just them in their moment. And I don't think the U S men's national team handled it that way. I think they were very dependent. No. They were very defensive, which could have been, um, I think we'll play against you if that's the case. Against well, Netherlands. The it's the worst. And it's like, you're controlling the whole game. And then yeah. you know that a second goal, and you almost get the second goal, which beyond me great. why there wasn't a longer VAR check on that. It looked like it was close enough for there to be a longer VAR check. It was very quick for what we've seen at this World Cup with the VAR checks. So I was surprised at that. And honestly, I haven't seen the imagery, I'm sure, at this point. Um, we do have a, a question as well. Um, we do have a question... Um, that I will get to in a second, but uh, yes, the, um, all right, I have to answer this question. It's on my mind now because I have to talk about Haji, right? Haji has not been spotted at the, this, I honestly, and this is a, something we'll get into. Um, if Josh Sargent is out, there is no reason. There's nothing that Haji Wright has shown me over the last three games or two games that he played in that has said, that this guy deserves another shot to lead the line for the United States. He was on as a sub in the 70th minute and was jogging around the balls. He's the biggest guy on the field. He's not bodying up defenders. What, like, what is he doing out there? If he's not going to do that, he is literally the, his only job in that scenario is to hold up play. And he literally just did not do a single thing of that. And it creates a problem now, right? Because we've talked about Jesus Ferreira. Yeah, but are you going to throw in a Jesus Ferreira who has not played a single group stage game and I has would. not played a full game? I would too, but would. will you? That's no. you know, that that's that's the problem. Will it pay off? You know, should Jesus of Ferreira have gotten more minutes earlier? Yes. Probably. So, <laughs> you know, this is another dilemma that Greg created for himself, and Haji has just not been he's not been good enough. And is that a surprise though? I don't think it's a surprise, but I expected it for the low expectations I had for Haji, Wright, I think that he still managed to fail to meet the expectations. <laughs> and that's a, that's a serious issue. Yeah. Like well, how does I that think, happen? <laughs> I think it's definitely a concern going up against the Netherlands to not have Josh Sargent, especially because that was your number one striker going into this tournament. Shockingly. Yeah. But I would 100% opt for Jesus Ferreira. Um, we saw during the CONCACAF qualifiers that he was the go-to guy. He constantly plays for FC Dallas. I don't think there's a reason to change the system and avoid a number nine rather than just putting Jesus Ferreira into the situation. Now, yeah. 
whatever happens in that starting lineup will be very telling of Greg Berhalter's perception of Ferreira and the just, downfall he had in his eyes. And now yeah. I'm inching to do that interview after the World Cup and understand the breakdown between their relationship and what's happening on the pitch. Because yeah. I cannot imagine, depending on Jesus Ferreira, and then opting for Haji Wright again in the knockout round, it, especially it, coming off of what he just did. Again, this is another situation where we'll bring my brother in. He doesn't know, like, he doesn't watch... He watches the Premier League. He knows soccer, but he doesn't pay attention to the U.S. men's national team all the time. And he just looked at me and, you know, he's played soccer. He played soccer longer than I did, you know? So he looked at me. He's like, what is Haji Wright doing on the field right now? Like literally there, there was, and it was in like the 85th minute. And if I could go back through the game, I could pinpoint it for you and bring the image up right now, but I don't have that kind of time. Probably should have done that before the podcast because I should have known I was going to get this aggravated. Um, there was a point in the game when he just like bodying up a defender and just like looks up at him as he heads the ball away. And I'm like, like, what are you there for? What are you there for? And it was so frustrating because everybody else is doing their job. Everybody else is doing their job. And we had a comment that said, Haji is a great story. Haji is a great story and great for him. I'm happy about that. And I, you know, I appreciate here. Here it is again. It's a great story, but it's not working. It's not working. Greg made a, a gamble and it's not paying off. And what I'm not again, saying Jordan no P folk would have Yeah, and I'm not saying Jordan P folk would have been any better because Jordan P folk has had his struggles in the Bundesliga over the past couple months either. But the Haji Wright experiment cannot continue any longer. And the only other option that yeah. Greg has is playing Tim Way up top. And we have another comment. <laughs> I mean, I feel like these people who are commenting on this. I feel like they they know exactly what They're I was screaming you. at my television yeah. or at the television because I, I said the same thing. Like I flashbacks of Michael Bradley in 2014 when he kicks the ball forward, it basically and tries to start an attack, doesn't kick the ball to the corner, and Chris, Cristiano Ronaldo goes back and scores the game time goal with like minutes remaining and causes a major problem for the U.S. in that final group stage game against Germany. That's what it was going through my mind when he doesn't take the ball to the corner. Why is he trying to score there? If you haven't tried to score for the last 20 minutes, why are you trying to score there? But Aggra- as, the as good as the U.S. played, I'm still aggravated over You're, it because well, you have to be. What is, like what is he? What is his purpose? What is his purpose? But here's the thing: the game against England was his second ever start and his sixth cap for the United States men's national team. His previous caps were under the CONCACAF qualifying cycle where it didn't work. He didn't mesh well. He didn't perform well. There was no goal scored. So why then do you opt for Haji Wright instead of at that point, Jesus Ferreira? Now, I'm all, I'm all for giving um, second chances, and I think that's mm-hmm. what Greg Berhalter did in the game against England. And if you want to go into the physicality of it all, that's – well – an understandable point, I guess, to have him play. But why would you sub him into the last 15 minutes, knowing he hasn't done anything previously, and not put in Jesus Ferreira? Well, again, this is my, and again, this is how I looked at it. When you bring on Haji Wright, you expect him to be physical, to be there. But he hasn't and, been. No, I know. He hasn't been. I, I understand. I understand. But I think in Greg's mind, he's like, oh, man, like, this is a big dude. He can head balls away in the box. He can body up defenders and hold the ball up so we can contain possession. 
and he just didn't do that. And like, I don't yeah. think at least from a Ferrer perspective, there would have been a much more significant ability to press the back line when they had the yeah. ball and cause some disruption. And it, again, like I said, the only other option you have is to play Tim way up top uh, tomorrow. If Josh Sargent isn't ready, he's, I don't think in the history that I've been watching the United States men's national team, I can't remember the last time he's played up top. It's what I would do to allow Gio Reyna to have some space there. But as we've seen, Gio Reyna apparently is not in the, the plans of Greg Berhalter, which is another mind-boggling thing. And as good well, as you did United- address the situation um, in that last press yeah. conference today, mm-hmm. before heading into the Netherlands match, someone did ask him about Giorena and why he hasn't been considered. And Greg Berhalter, and I won't repeat the um, word for word quote, but Greg Berhalter basically said these haven't been the games for him. And it's been a very difficult situation to address and really he wanted to play Gio Reyna when the moment is right now I completely disagree there I think you for a player like Gio Reyna you plan out a game and you plan out a system around him he's just making excuses now though like that's the thing he's just making excuses because I understand the physicality of the Wales game but as we talked about in that first and the first episode after the Wales game it's a game you have to win at that point, yeah. it's a game that you have to go after because you have an opportunity to win it. Go after the game, win the game, put your like Giorena's arguably Best probably it, yeah, the most technically gifted player yeah. on the United States men's national team. And he has seen seven total minutes. And you cannot tell me again, let's go back to the Christian Pulisic situation, right? He comes off he, and I want to give major props to Pulisic because apparently, I mean, clearly he could not walk off the field. He needed the help of the staff, and he still played those last 10, 15 minutes or whatever it was. Well, I credit to Pulisic, but also this is where I want to point out coaching errors. He asked for a sub, and Greg Berhalter said no. If your player is asking you to be subbed out, especially after a collision of that manner, uh, and the way that you saw him walk out, you sub him out. Yeah especially with the depth that the United States men's national team have. Yeah. They definitely had the sub. They definitely had other players to put into that game. So I think it was irresponsible. And mm-hmm. you saw the take. He was like, no, 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 no. That You can't do that. And I mean, you can, is, but you but can't. This is the thing, right? We talk about Greg Berhalter decisions. Giorena is a like-for-like replacement for Christian Pulisic. Basically the same exact player. You're going to get the same exact thing. He's going to be able to drift into the middle. Brendan Aronson has played zero minutes on the wing this tournament. He's played all in the midfield. At what point is that not the game to bring on Giorena? Why is that not the game to bring on Giorena when Brendan Aronson has not played? And I love Brendan Aronson, but I don't think he looked great on that wing. I think he looked much better in the middle of the field. He didn't, but it's not his fault. It's not his fault. It's not his fault, but... It's coaching like, errors. And it's not co- it's not even that. It's just coaching arrogance, in my personal opinion, in terms of yeah. it seems like there's a problem there. And Greg is just like, I'm not going to play this guy no matter what it means. And that's a I serious do think, issue. I do think, and props to the players for making it out. But I previously said, if the United States men's national team don't make it out of the group stage, it is because of coaching errors. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It just shocking changes. Shocking changes. Um, 
And I, we haven't even touched into um, Cameron Carter Vickers coming yeah, in we- <laughs> Walker Zimmerman and playing with Team Ream. And again, those two have never played a U.S. men's national team game together as a in- duo. And we talk about the importance of center backs having chemistry. They had none. And to no fault of their own, they had just had never been played together. And so that was never mind the fact that the goalkeeper has never played with Cameron Carter Vickers for the entire. And, they have and not. Um, again, Props to the players. Cameron Carter Vickers was very good. I thought throughout the entire yes. game was very solid. He's a very talented player. And it is the beauty of the United States current situation that you have those players that you can bring in, but when you're in the world cup and you have a must win game. Yeah. I don't see any reason why to change it up. I'm sure it had to do with something with maybe Cameron Carter Vickers being more, a little bit more mobile, but it, whatever. Nonetheless, it worked out. Tim Ream has been yeah. phenomenal. phenomenal. And as bad as we've said the Haji Wright decision was, that's how good the Tim Ream decision was to bring Tim Ream into the camp. So Right. But and, but it, then it bodes the question, why wasn't he included prior? That It's just a very confusing situation it, it altogether. Is, I, is. I don't understand. I'll, I'll give but you that for sure. I don't understand. But so now they have to face the Netherlands in this knockout Game tomorrow, 10 p.m. East, 10 a.m. Eastern. Sorry about that. No, a.m. If you're in New York City, if you're in New York City and you're going to a place tomorrow, let us know and maybe we'll show up. We'll pop in. Because I live in New York, in the New York area, and I plan on being in the city. So maybe we'll see you there and hopefully we can celebrate a U.S. win. But continue, Lizzie. I think, though, the United States men's national team have the potential I think Netherlands is a team that will capitalize on the errors the team has made. So it won't be easy. Now, there was news that there was a flu outbreak in the Netherlands camp. I think it targeted Frankie de Jong. So I don't know if he is able to make that game tomorrow. They have yet to confirm his availability. Now, we know him. We know he's a talented player. That would definitely be a huge upside for the U S men's national team, though. We wish well for everyone. We do wish well for everyone. We I do don't want to, well you know, everybody. I'm, I'm good with playing against the top, the best of the best. That's fine with yeah. me. I don't want to have any excuses for the other team. I'm cool with that. Edwin Garcia here thinks that the U S will win by three touchdowns. I can't see that, but <laughs> at the same time, I would like three goals if that's possible. But, um, I do be interesting. what I will say about this game, what I will say about this game, if I'm comparing it to the last time the U.S. men's national team was in a round of 16 game, they played Belgium, who, in my personal opinion, at the time of that World Cup, was much better than Netherlands is, or was better, okay. not much better, maybe not much better, but definitely better as a group than Netherlands was. And I think this okay. United States men's national team is better than that United States men's national team was. Okay. We got dominated in that game. So I'm not saying that we are going to win this game, but I think it really went downhill from yes. But what I'm saying is more. I don't think it will be a. I hope it won't be a blowout. I don't think it will be a blowout. I think if you compare it to 2014, this team, this United States men's national team, is better. I think the gap is much closer together between the two teams than it was in 2014. Um, Again, I'm not saying that they'll win, but I expect a good fight, as we've seen from the United States the entire time. Um, it's not the worst draw you could have gotten because you, you know, in, in no, a situation, it definitely be a fun game. Yeah. I mean, you could have seen a, 
Um, you know, depending on how the group stage or the group draws went, you know, you could have seen a France, a Brazil at that point. Um, but obviously Cody Gakpo scares me. I am as he gonna, should. He's doing as very he should. well with PSV. He's going to cost $800 million to be at transferred at this point because he's been phenomenal at this World Cup. Frankie de Jong, if he is not available, that's act- at, that's obviously a major major um situation that's a major boost for the united states yeah right so because he has been phenomenal in that midfield as well and he's been known to pick out those balls and you know put them in the spots that they can that the uh, you know depai and gakpo can get to and then on the other side of the ball i mean as much as i hate to say it because he plays for liverpool virgil van dyke is Phenomenal. A phenomenal defender. Phenomenal and defender. If the United I'm States does this clip a yes. bunch. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure this is gonna play multiple times, but he's a phenomenal defender. And I'm sure you know the US needs to understand that it's not gonna be easy to dribble in those spaces that they were getting against an England, a Wales, a um, you know, uh, a Iran because Van Dyke is phenomenal. Now, and for those who don't know, um, Gino is an Everton fan. I'm a Liverpool fan. So the yes. fact that we even get along is is astonishing. Um, Surprising. Besides the point that he's a U.S. men's national team fan and I'm a Mexico fan. So really just opposite ends. Um, Joyous occasion everyone. today is to see Luis Suarez <laughs> fall out of the group stage. I'm so happy for you. Yeah. Okay. No, um, again, I, I said on Twitter, I mean, I don't like being happy about players, but if there's anybody I'm going to be slightly happy about falling out of the group stage as Luis Suarez and that you're going that was, that was heartbreaking but I mean that's a whole that's a whole and and our producer yeah, yeah. right now is currently showing his Chelsea scarf so we got a whole host of it here but yeah, yeah. a whole a whole conundrum but aside from okay, that yes um, Van Dyke is good the, the spine yeah. of that team is very very good yeah so I think they'll capitalize on any slight errors. That is for sure. Um, in terms of group stage standout figures, I do have to give it credit to Yunus Musa, who turned 20 in the game against, well, the day, the game against Iran. Um, Tyler Adams has exceeded my expectations. They were low, but he still exceeded them. He Come on, um, he could not be low. He's like one of the best central defensive midfielders in the Premier League right now. Okay. Well, um, he is. Anyway, okay. Anyway, um, Christian Pulisic, I, decent. I think that goal has been talked about far too much because he has the goal and the assist. That's all you can. That, that he has the goal and the assist. So, as much as we could talk about how he has not, he could have gotten forward more, had better attempts. How he was, yeah. maybe lacking in the service department in certain situations. He's the only reason we've scored two goals. So that's my right. Opinion. I that's do think. Opinion. Yeah, but I I think those numbers are deceiving. But again, the U.S. men's national team has done pretty well for themselves. Knockout stage, only CONCACAF team to do so. And I'll give it to them. It's been exciting to watch. As a neutral, yeah, it's their speed and... Tim Weah. Tim Weah is my standout. I said this to somebody before the tournament. I said this to somebody before the tournament that he was going to have major impact. His speed... He is yeah. the, he's the only person on this team that has any speed, and that's been a major impact. So I have to give major props to Tim Weah uh, because I think he's been phenomenal for the United States. Yep, he has. Um, and if they lose, guard for Halter. Anyway, yes, Costa Rica. No, yeah. but I, again, before we move on real quick, if they lose, they lose. 
I wanted them to get to the knockout stages. They achieved that goal. Obviously, I want them to win tomorrow. But at this point, the tournament, in my personal opinion, has been a success. A success. Interesting. And I understand that. Costa Rica. Costa Rica. were eliminated. They had about five minutes. Not even. Three minutes. Three minutes of glory. Of glory. They made my heart stop for three minutes. It was phenomenal. The best three minutes of the tournament. On yeah, Twitter, so at least. <laughs> yeah. They did come back from a 7-0 defeat um, from Spain, which embarrassing start, but they got Wild. back to their feet. Um, and then defeated Japan 1-0 before ultimately losing 4-2. But they took Germany out with them and said, not today. So, so close to taking Spain out, too. So, so close. close. <laughs> so close. And they did for those three minutes where um, it was 2-2, I believe, at that point. And it was 2-1. It was 2-1. Oh, yeah. It was 2-1. And for those three minutes, Costa Rica and Japan were going through and Spain and Germany were going home. That And been I couldn't breathe. I couldn't breathe. I was – it was amazing. It was – and again, this is – it's it's the opposite. And again, from a neutral perspective, this is great. I know from a different perspective – Definitely not. Definitely not from a a fan of any of these teams. But from a neutral perspective, I mean, look at this Costa Rican team. It's the opposite of Canada, as we were talking about before. Canada came out. They had a great game. They're like, oh, man, we're going to do really well. And they kind of sucked the rest of the way. Costa Rica. Opposite. Awful. Awful. Wait, I have a question for you. Okay. Did you think that ball went out for the Japan goal? I still, I'll be honest, and I'm like very okay that it was cool called not out, but okay. I think it went out. Okay. I mean, I know yeah. there's all these okay. different angles, and I understand it's, that. Yeah, it's all about the and angles. And literally really. the nozzle of the ball has to touch <laughs> yeah, the line. So, but, it, but hasn't it been the same way with offside? It's been like a hair and a half yes. um, with and, offside goals, so yeah. And again, we don't have like literally the only angle that we could possibly get that would show us that is the direct over the top angle. And yeah. we don't have that angle and we'll never be oh, able to do. know. I, do we, I don't think we have yeah, the direct. I think it's still a little, I think it's still a little from the side, but either way. I agree. Literally. With you I think it was a my loud. left nail has to touch. My pinky nail has to touch the line. If I'm the, <laughs> if it's the ball for it to be in. So as long as a little so bit of it's touching it, it's in. So I, you know, I would assume that they clarified that. And I think what become, what became the issue was more, I think if it was called out on the field, it would have stayed yeah. called out on the field. I don't think that they could have overturned it once they called it what they called it. Right. Um, and it was a super important goal because it left Germany out. Of yes. Ma- so a, ma- a major goal. Major, major goal. Um, major goal. I'm and personally again. happy to see Japan advance. Oh, I love it. I, I love it. I really have loved to watch Happy Japan throughout this tournament. I think that they've yeah. been a fun team to watch. Yeah. Similar to some of the South other Korea. upsets we've seen. South Korea. Amazing. Um, but you yeah. know, it, it, there's been a lot of drama to this World Cup. It's been great. And it's been I phenomenal. It. And it's really, you know, everything on the pitch has been awesome yeah. about this World yeah. Cup. So, um, but yes, going back to Costa Rica. They could have easily laid down and died after the 7-0 loss to Spain because goal differential wise, they were they were done out of luck. They were there was no way they were ever going to beat anybody on goal, excuse me, goal differential. Done. But they hung in there, and you look at the games that happened in 
Germany and Spain in those final games, both those sides had a lot of chances to score a lot of goals in the first half, Germany included. You can make the argument. I mean, Germany's XG against Costa Rica. And again, we talk about XG. It's not, you know, made a comment on Twitter that I sure was wrong for some reason. People are telling me it's wrong. I don't know why. Sure, it's wrong for some reason, we'll but XG is a stat, and there's a reason it's a stat. Um, because the ball doesn't actually go in the net with XG. It's just your expected goals. And Germany's XG was 6.08 in that game. That's crazy. They had a chance with 32 shots and 11 on target to score seven goals. They had every opportunity to, but they couldn't do it in the first half, and they let Costa Rica stay in the game a little longer, and it ended up being the, the end-all, be-all of them. But those three minutes were probably, for most yeah. neutrals, the most exhilarating three minutes of – the entire tournament from a neutral. And we have to highlight Gaylor Navas and his ability in the goal for Costa Rica. Phenomenal goalkeeper. (laughs) People forget that one of the best goalkeepers, and I forget that one of the best goalkeepers in the world plays for Costa Rica. Like Gaylor Navas is phenomenal every single time we see him. CONCACAF goalkeepers are great. Now there's, I mean, there's obviously a case for Andre Blake, which is one of the reasons Jamaica constantly tests yeah in the CONCACAF qualifying cycles maybe we'll see them in 2026 because the first three already have a ticket but Memo Choa, Keylor Navas, Andre Blake teams in have they confirmed it's 48 so it's going to be from what I've read it's going to be 16 groups of three which I think is a terrible idea why not just leave there is rumor that it will um that that format will be changed okay good because I don't see any personal reason as we've seen in this World Cup with all the chaos and nuts, like like the craziness that goes on in in these final group stage matches, why screw with the four team groups? Make it make it 12 four team groups. Yeah. Why 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 mess with it? And I was doing a little bit of I was doing a little as we get off topic here, but I was doing a little bit of like kind of, oh, what would this World Cup look like with 48 teams? And yeah. it's dire when you get near the bottom because oh, yeah. you get teams like in this play-in tournament that they're talking about, it's like the Solomon Islands versus Honduras and El Salvador. Like from That'd a South from a South American perspective, it's great for them because I think all of those teams are very talented, and I think South Con- or Common Bowl is one of the more com- what I I love them because I think other than Brazil and Argentina, any team can get through. But from yeah. these other perspectives, like you're getting some not great teams, so we'll see how it works you, out. But you don't want to see Aruba play. I don't. I don't want to see Aruba. I'm going to Aruba in February, but oh, I don't want to see them. You can cheer on their team. I don't want. I've also been to St. Lucia. I don't want to see them play in the World Cup either. So well, we'll see. I do want uh, to see Costa Rica again, though, because they've been fun, and they were we have not give nearly enough props to them. We have to give them a nice round of applause, a nice, a nice respect for them because they were a lot of fun to they watch in that final. And yeah, like I said, yeah. they could have easily died, and they didn't. They came back. But so the group stage is it. We have it's since over. finished and we start knockout round tomorrow with the U.S. men's national team. Um, and we will continue to do the podcast to go over everything the U.S. men's national yep. team do. So make sure to stay tuned on our Twitter, Instagram and YouTube. Follow along and we'll be right here to talk. No excuses. They're everything. right here. All you got to do is just <laughs> click on. Well, not click on them, but type that in. No yep. excuses. All right. <laughs> thank you so much for listening and we'll be back bye
Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.